I think the best sermons feel more like conversations than they do monologues. Now, even though you're in front of a group of people, and in most situations, you're the only one talking, which is a monologue, it still can feel like a conversation. And that distinction is really important, and it's one of the things that can help make your communication seem more human, seem more believable, and seem more real to your audience. In this episode, we're gonna talk about how you can approach your sermons with a conversational tone so that they come across in a way that is a lot more inviting and less off-putting. We'll talk about that in this episode. If you're new here, this is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. My name is Lane. I am your humble host. I'm so thrilled and humbled that you would stop by to hang out with me today. Cannot wait to get into today's topic. But before we get started, I want to put something in your hands for free as a way to say thank you for stopping by today. If you go to preachingdonkey.com 21 days, you can pick up my free 21 day guide to creating killer sermons. This is a three week, three step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling life changing message. So whether you've been preaching for a long time and you're looking for some fresh and new ideas or you're just starting out in your preaching ministry and you're trying to find any resource you can, there's something in here for you. Go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. You can pick it up there totally for free. All right, so let's dive into this. We are looking today at an article that I wrote, one of the first articles at preachingdonkey.com. It's called How to Preach Like You're Having a Conversation with Everyone in the Room. This goes all the way back to 2014, but it is still relevant. I'm going to read through it. We're going to talk about it and draw out of it what we can. The best sermons are conversations. I've already talked about this. The best servant sermons are those that feel more conversational than they do like a monologue. You want to make everyone feel as if you're having a conversation with them, like you're the only person in the room, like they're the only person in the room, like you're sitting at a table with them and discussing a problem, a concern, a big thing that God wants them to do. So this is the kind of goal, and I'm going to talk about why this is the case. When I started preaching, one of the things that I heard a lot as a point of feedback was two things. One was you can you come across very personable when you preach and you have a very conversational preaching style. I heard this enough to kind of think, well, maybe maybe that's true. And I started to think, well, why is that? What is it that I'm doing that comes across very personable? And there's lots of different things that you could talk about. Maybe it's humor. I use a lot of humor. Maybe it's honestly just smiling. Some pastors never smile, but it can go a long way just to smile, not in a goofy kind of cheesy way, but just to look like you're having a good time goes a long way. But I think the biggest reason is this conversational piece that I really prepare my messages with the idea that every single person sitting there is someone that I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with. So I'm not necessarily talking to everybody as much as I'm talking to one person. And there just happens to be however many of those one people in there. So if there's 300 people, I'm having 300 private one-on-one -on -one conversations in front of everyone, if that makes sense. And if you're a preacher, if you preach with any regularity, you know what I'm talking about. This is actually something that is possible to do in terms of you can get up in front of people and you can have a conversation with one person 
And you don't even know that person, but because of the way you preach, it comes across like you're having a conversation. This is the same way that I try to approach my podcast and my YouTube videos. I'm not, when I sit down and I think about making a YouTube video, making a podcast episode, I'm not thinking about how many people are gonna watch this or how many people are gonna listen. And you can watch YouTube videos or podcasts where people will say, hey everyone, hey everybody, hey YouTube, hey podcast world. And it's kind of just directed at anybody who's listening, just the, the crowd. But when you listen to a podcast, you're just listening to it. When you watch a YouTube video, you're just listening to it. So I look right in that camera and I know that on the other side of that camera is someone who probably preaches, someone who's probably trying to get better at their preaching, is someone who's looking for resources and help and tips. And I try to approach this in the same way. Like if we were sitting down having a conversation and I were just talking to you about these things, I would just have a conversation with you. The same thing if you, if I'm in your earbuds right now as you're at the gym or as you're on your commute or as you're doing the dishes at your house or mowing your lawn and you're just listening to this, I don't want you to feel like I don't want you to feel like I'm talking to everyone. I want you to feel like I'm talking to you. Think about that when you preach. How can you get every single person to feel as if you're having a conversation with them? Now, I want to mention something because sometimes people will come to you and they'll say, "I feel like you were talking directly to me." And typically what they mean by that is you were saying something that so directly relates to what they're going through that they felt like you must know something, right? You must know what I'm going through. You must know what I did last night, what I did last week. You must know what's coming down the pike because you were talking to me. In this case, I'm not necessarily talking about that. That has more to do with content. That has more to do with the nature of what you're saying. Uh, that has more to do with how the Holy Spirit is working in that person's life and using you to speak to them. And when that happens, that's amazing. I think it's really cool. Typically, I'll tell someone, I wasn't speaking directly to you, but if you heard something, that's awesome. It just must have, mean, must have meant that God is working uh, through his word being taught. What I'm talking here isn't so much about what you're saying, the content, it's about how you're saying it. It is about the what, but it's also about the how. It's conversational in its tone. Going on from this point of feedback that I got, in most cases, people would explain to me how my approach made them feel. They say that it's disarming because they can relate to me like I'm a real person. By the way, this is a really, really challenging thing for pastors to do to get people to see you as a real person and not some kind of disconnected, enthroned, exalted preacher man, right? To get them to see that you are a real person with a real family, with real struggles, with real doubts, with real fears, with real, you, you wanna take a vacation like everyone else. You, you have the same life that everyone in your church has, it just so happens that you're the one standing up there with a Bible in your hand and God has called you to this position. So it's very hard to come off that pedestal and get people to see that you are one of them, but this is so important. It's important from a theological perspective because you are not their savior, right? I am not my church's savior. Jesus is. I didn't die on the cross for their sins. Jesus did. You didn't die on the cross for your church's sins. Jesus did. So when people are looking to you as you are the exalted one from on high who just kind of floats around in this perfected pastor situation, 
there's a tendency to forget our Savior. There's a, there's a tendency to rely too heavily on you, the person who serves as like this proxy for Jesus. And the problem with that is, number one, you're not Jesus. Number two, you're flawed. And so am I. So if, if people are looking to us as if we are the ultimate example of what it is to follow Jesus, as soon as we fail, and I don't necessarily mean a massive scandal. It could just be that that they you you look at someone the wrong way, or you you forget to call someone when you should, or whatever, and all of a sudden their whole faith is shattered because you were supposed to be perfect. Your family was supposed to be perfect. Your kids were supposed to be perfect. What happened? This is the way it was for so long, especially in North America, especially in you know you think about the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, where pastors were just had this pressure of they have to almost exist as completely different people in front of their church than they really are. And what that does is it puts you in a very precarious position, and it also is dangerous for your church. So conversational preaching is one of the ways, one of the many ways that we can fight against this kind of thing happening. So they tell me I seem authentic, they trust me and they want to listen. I understand that not everyone takes a conversational approach. I'm not saying conversational style is the only way, although I think it's really effective for all the reasons that I just stated. But I am suggesting it's worth a try. So here's a way to experiment with conversational approach. So basically, when I write a message, there's two, there's three things I do, and I do these every time, and it just makes it easier to have a conversational approach. Number one, when you prepare... Think about the obvious objections or questions that people will have about the point you're making. So just literally think about what are people, when they hear this, what are they going to say? Eh, I don't know about this. I, I'm not sure about this. I, I have objections to that. And just think about it. I, I like to write them down in my notes. For example, I was preaching on 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5, which is about how married couples should not deprive one another but have sex frequently. I knew there were lots of married couples listening that are not having all that much sex for a variety of reasons. You know how this is as a pastor. People tell you things. <laughs> they tell you all kinds of private things. Um, and so you know, you have this window into people's lives and you know, okay, when I read this passage where Paul says, do not deprive one another except for a short time when you're fasting and praying from a you know, mutual decision, but, but kind of be there for each other. I know that there are going to be couples sitting there who are going to be like, that ain't happening at our house. And by the way, this is just one of many examples, right? These individuals might find the text annoying or offensive. They might find me annoying or offensive just for bringing it up. So I want to at least know that. I want to know that going into it. So when you prepare, number one, think about the obvious questions or objections that people will have about the point you're making or the text you're reading. Number two, anticipate how you would answer that question or objection. So think about how you would answer the objection if you were actually having a conversation with someone. You probably wouldn't dismiss their arguments as ridiculous and stupid. You would probably try to see things from their perspective. Like if you were face-to-face -face with someone, you would probably have empathy. You would probably make a point to affirm something about what they're saying. You wouldn't just say, well, you're an idiot and you need to start believing the Bible more, right? You wouldn't do that. You would probably try to find some kind of common ground from which to talk about this difficult truth. 
In my example above, I had to think about how I was going to address the elephant in the room, which is the objection that many people might have, or even just the sensitivity surrounding and the struggle surrounding marital intimacy. It's a very touchy subject in a lot of uh, a lot of situations. So anticipate how you would answer that question or objection and really think about if you were having a conversation with someone, what would that look like? And then number three, bring it up. So in the sermon, this is something I like to call have the conversation, having the conversation in front of everyone. All right. So remember, we talked about how when we preach, we're talking to one person, but we are going to have that conversation with one person in front of everyone. And I'm not talking about any one person necessarily. I'm just saying that person is going to feel like you're having a conversation just with them, but you're doing it in front of everyone. So going back to, so given that preaching is a one-sided conversation, you have to bring up both sides of the argument. So going back to my example, rather than spending a lot of time on what the Greek word for deprive really means, I just decided to have the conversation in front of everyone. So Paul says, don't deprive one another, right? So I don't, I don't go into that necessarily. I could, but if I'm doing this, here's what I do. I would just have the conversation. What was the conversation? Well, it was just to bring up the fact that lots of people quickly dismiss a passage like that instead of obey it because they just wish it would go away. By bringing this up, I was able to challenge people to rethink their tendency to ignore the passage because it makes them so uncomfortable and to deal with their, uh, their underlying struggle or dysfunction. Right, so maybe it is a, a way of looking at, okay, should, should you pursue counseling together or separately or both? Is, is there some trauma that needs to be dealt with? Is there some selfishness that needs to be repented of? Is there more communication that needs to happen? Whatever the case, if I were having a conversation with one person, I would try to hear what their objections are and then answer those objections in a conversational format in the message. Now, I want to mention that this is where your preaching team comes in handy in a big, big way. In my course, Killer Sermons Academy, I talk about preaching teams, how to develop a preaching team, why they're so important, and the reason why, one of the reasons why having a team around you is so vital is because you can actually have these conversations when you're preparing your message with your team long before you ever get up and preach it. So if you're going to preach on a tough text like this and you have a good diversity of people on your preaching team, you can say, hey, what are, how does this hit you? What are, what are you hearing from people? What do you think they're going to be saying? What do you think they're going to be thinking? What kind of resources do we need to have available when we talk about this? And you can begin to prepare people for the conversation that's going to happen so that when you get up and you preach on any text, any topic that might be even just slightly controversial, you're able to have the conversation with everyone. So again, when you prepare, think about the obvious questions or objections that people are going to have about what you're making. Anticipate how you might answer that question or objection, especially in a one-on-one conversation. And then in your sermon, have that conversation in front of everyone. If you make a habit of doing this, what begins to happen is every one of your sermons begins to be more of a conversational tone where people feel invited into something because they're given a voice. If you think about it, preaching is a one-sided conversation. It's you talking and they are listening. When you have a conversational approach, you're actually giving them a voice because you are allowing them to be heard because you've listened, because you've worked with your preaching team, because you know what the objections or questions or doubts or concerns are going to be. 
and you bring them up, not in a condescending way, not in a, well, you might say, preacher, I don't want to do that. Well, too bad. Obey it, right? That's, that's one approach. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about really understanding and giving a voice to people's legitimate concerns and in an empathetic way so that they know that you actually understand and care and from that place, invite them into a, a deeper understanding of what it means to obey God and to do it. To, the call to action then is not to just continue to go down the path you're on, but say, hey, I've had this conversation with you. This is what the text says. I know it's hard. Let's walk together and let's obey and take one step at a time obeying what the word of God has said and what it has spoken to us. This is a great approach to take. I can't wait to see how you use it. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to comment down below. Let me know how you do conversational preaching, what you think about it. I'd love to hear from you there. If you're listening on one of the several podcast players, I am so thrilled. Be sure to leave a five-star review. I would appreciate that so much. It helps to get the word out. Until next time, remember if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Mm-hmm.